help swimming and pools are getting cold. Last week I gave you some homework, and um, just so that you have the time to do that, I'm going to give you another week or two to get into that. I'm still doing a, a little bit, and there's still a couple of people I want to connect with in our city before I really speak about it. If you, if you weren't here, um, I gave some scriptures on just getting an understanding, because one of the things that is pertinent in our culture and in our country and over the last few months is how we treat refugees and asylum seekers. And um, this is one of those real struggle questions. As I mentioned, I want to spend some time this year at different points going through these hard questions on what is a Christian biblical response to this, what is my response, the church response, our country's uh, potential response, and and what does that look like, and what does the Bible say on it. And um, do you know what's really exciting when we do these things? Is most likely we're going to disagree at times. And that's totally okay. And it's totally wonderful as we work out what God is really saying on these things. But I don't want to go through that this morning. If you're following on your phone, the text is still in there and you can get um, the verses that I spoke about quickly last week in there just to have a research because the most important thing is to go to the Word yourself first and to work out what, what God's saying to you and what He's saying and ask Him, what are you saying about these things? But this morning I want to talk about this concept of um, following fully. Uh, we spoke back in January about one of the things God's saying to us this year being that we are a people who have a different spirit. And God said over Caleb that he has a different spirit because he is one that follows me fully. Last week we spoke about actually how to possess the promise, Um, the thing of those that carry a different spirit go from just receiving provision to being ones that possess the promise of God. And we spoke about that last week. I just want to grab another idea from that about fully following and, and just want to talk this morning on one of my Favorite chapters in the Bible, uh, John 6, and uh, it's one of my favorite chapters because I'm a preacher, and it gives you great encouragement as a preacher because, you know, over the years I've preached some great messages, and um, I've also preached some real stinkers. Um, maybe you've sat through one or two of them, and uh, this morning won't be one of them, it's okay, it's okay, and uh, sometimes I actually preach better than what people receive because... We know that it's not actually about the seed, it's about the soil's condition and how much growth we get out of anything anyway, so, so that's there. But um, I get great, great encouragement from this chapter, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of spoiler what happens at the end of this. See, Jesus is actually doing a conference, he's doing a, doing a Saturday event, and he turns up and he, he's preaching all day, and then he realizes all the people are hungry. And so they do a meal together, and scholars tell us that there's probably about 15,000 people there, 5,000 men plus women and children, so about 15, we know the one feeding the 5,000 in that one. Although the next day, the conference continues, everyone from the conference rocks up to church with him, and he continues to preach this message through there, and he gets to the end, and this is, this is great. See, over, over the years, I've probably had one or two people walk out on me as I've been preaching. Um, that's Okay. I've never had 15,000 walk out in the middle of a message. It gives me great courage that, that Jesus can preach a message and the entire church, by his elders, walk out at the end of it. 
And, and so I, I get encouragement that, um, you know, sometimes I have a bad day as a preacher. Someday I have a bad day, but I've never had a bad day like that. And um, so uh, it's, that's a preacher's message for that. That's a, a preacher's thing. But um, I, I love this thing because those 12 that stayed were 12 that were prepared to follow. 12 that were prepared to give their lives, 12 who had a, a different spirit and actually followed him fully. And as we, we're going on this, that's what I just want to talk about this morning. And um, behave. Behave, little thing here. Okay, we're not behaving. Okay, We're going to operate like that. I love when Apple updates things. Um iOS 10 is, there is something demonic going on in that thing for sure. I don't know. It just operated differently. So we're speaking about this with a different spirit. Ones that don't go with the flow, they have a positive confession, have a possession mentality, follow fully, provide for future generations. They don't see limitations and they're not afraid of doing it tough. I just want to pull out that, that following fully this morning. And so we're reading John chapter 6. I just want to give a quick disclaimer. There's this little phrase that comes up in this chapter a few times. Jesus talks about um, his job and his role being taking care of and bringing them up in the resurrection at the end of the age, those which God has given him. Now, I want to give a disclaimer. I don't want to talk this morning, and it's not a, a message on the, on the challenge between predestination and free will or Calvinism and Arminianism. But, but this verse, when taken in isolation, can lead one to sort of think that we really don't get a choice in salvation. It occurs four times through there, um, that we don't get a choice in it. But if you take it in the context of the whole chapter, what it's talking about, it's talking about those who have heard God's teaching, received God's teaching and said yes, being the ones that are given to Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, well, if I be lifted up, I'm going to draw all men to myself, not just the chosen few. God, Peter taught us that it's God's will that no man should perish. And so this can't be taken in isolation of the rest of the Bible. So I just want to say that on it. Please research more and look at it more or talk to me more about that, I'm, I'm happy to. Or, or Pastor Bruce and Joan, I'd love to chat more on the dialogue of that. Uh, Joan's looking at me going, no, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> Pastor Bruce is smiling. He's like, yes, come on. And uh, so that, that's it. But let me say this on that point. Our salvation is entirely dependent on God. Entirely dependent on God. So this is one of those wonderful juxtapositions of God and wonderful mysteries that, that just happen. Anyway, that, that's all there. We know what's happening here. Jesus just fed the 5,000 and we get to verse 12 in John chapter 6. We do, there we go. And after everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, now gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. Ooh. No, you're not going to behave, are you? I'm going to need some help here this morning. There we go. And so they picked up the pieces and, and filled 12 baskets with the scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. And when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they proclaimed, surely he is the prophet who had been expecting. See, one of the things here I just want to mention quickly, see, when God provides in our life, it's a provision for a time. 
those leftovers aren't, aren't for another season or, or to be kept or to try and hang on to that point that God's doing something now. God wants to do something fresh. And those leftovers go bad. We know when manna came from heaven and fed the Israelites, they tried to hang on with that and it went bad the next day. Here's the other thing though. When God gives provision into your life, part of it's not just for you, it's for others. That's why there was leftovers. There was some for others. When God provides into your life, he wants you to give something. When he, when he provides finance in, some of that's for someone else. Some of that's your gift to the kingdom. Some of that's just the blessing that comes into you isn't entirely just for you. Some of that's for someone else. And when, So it goes on, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by themselves. And so what happens now is it gets to night time. Jesus is up praying. The disciples take their boat across the lake, realizing that Jesus isn't coming back down. Um, everyone else falls asleep. Some people from the other side of the lake come across. Jesus, in the middle of the night, does his awesome thing of walking across the lake, jumps in the boat, comes to sea, and everyone gets up in the morning and goes, Where, where's Jesus? What's going on? Where's the disciples? We saw the disciples leave. We're not really sure. And so they catch all the boats and go to the other side of the lake at that time. And then verse 25, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you for God. The Father has given me his seal of approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. I love when there's just a simple answer, isn't it? They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give the bread for heaven. My father did. And now... He offers you the true bread from heaven. See, here's what we see. We're talking about people with a different spirit. We know people with a different spirit don't just live on the provision. They want to step forward into the possession. So we see their heart. They're not actually wanting to grab hold of the full things of God. They're wanting to go, come on, we had bread. Just provide. We just want to live easy. We don't want to actually try and strive for the things of the kingdom. We just want you to feed us and live easy and not actually grab hold of the full blessings in our life. And the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Going on. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those who God has given me, but I should raise them up in that last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see the Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at that last day. And the people began to murmur in disagreement, because he had said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said. And he went on and said a bunch of other things. I'm the bread of life. I come from God. Eat my flesh. I'm going back to heaven. 
And at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you going somewhere also? But Simon replied, Lord, whom will we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And we believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Different spirit. You know, sometimes following is not easy. Following's not an easy thing sometimes. I um, spent some time a while back staying, uh, living with a family, and um, there's one time that, as you do when you're a young fella and they've got young kids, you, you tend to play a lot of, lot, of, lot of tiggy and chase and catch and tackle and, and throw around. Except their eldest knew the area a little bit better than me. He knew how to get on the roof a bit better. So we spent probably half an hour one day running around me trying to catch him. And um, up on the roof, down off the roof, up on the roof, down on the roof. There was one section of the roof, though, which he knew a lot better than me. The carport had these sort of flap things going on that were metal. And in the middle, there was this beam. That's the bit you run across. I chased him. He went across there. I didn't really see where he stepped. I stepped out onto these flaps and went straight down. Praise God, we didn't land on the roof of the car. Missed the car by about 10 centimeters and then had to repair some flaps on the the roof. Sometimes following is not easy. We, we, we don't know the terrain we're going across. We, we don't know the circumstances we're going in. We don't know the situation. We don't know what it's, what's ahead. It can make it hard. But the disciples in the story, they, they decided that they're going to follow Jesus fully. And Jesus put it one other way. This is what following me looks like. Believe. So much in that word, so much in that, that whole thought, and yet it's, it's one of those things where sometimes it feels like the Bible... You know, it, it just feels simple, Lord. It just feels simple, and it is. And it's complex, and it's simple. You only have to believe. We might not know the situations, but we believe God does. We might not know the terrain, but we believe God does. We might not know what's ahead, but we believe that God does. There's a couple of differences I just want to highlight in this thing about those that carried the different spirit and those that dif- didn't. You see, at the end there, after Jesus had fed them, all the people wanted to do one thing. They wanted to make him king. And at that point, Jesus said, no, I am out of here. See, those with a different spirit, though, they let God be God. Those with a different spirit, they let God be God. See, often, we want to make God into someone who's like us. We want to make him into our image. We were down at Choice the other day in the shop and looked there and there's the wall of little Buddhas you can buy for like $2 each in there. And here's this little statue that apparently looks like some man that lived a whole long ago. But so many religions have that, don't they? Little statues to worship that look somewhat like us or somewhat like animals. In India, like Carly, and they've got elephants that are gods and, and people and all over this place, except we don't. We don't have statues of God in our religion. We don't have something that's there to try and get what he looks like. See, it's human nature. We want to shape things to be like us. We want to try and project our values and thoughts and experiences onto others. A little while ago, we were um, at, at camp last year, at surf camp. You guys got to be there. And um, I was talking, I heard, all of a sudden discovered there's someone who can play piano. Like, wow. And, and so I find out this, and then someone saw me coming to talk to him while he's on piano, and, and this person didn't have a full understanding of, of um, the kingdom of God inside them, like, oh, no, don't, 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 Scott just wants you to play. He, he just wants you to, to play in band, don't, don't listen. Oh, just, just give him a thing. I'm like, hang on. 
And so I talked to the young guy on, on a piano. He's like, you mean I can play in worship team? His heart was right. And this other person's just trying to project their values and what's inside them and, and the lack of value that was going on inside them at the, the time. And so we try and do this to God. We often try to put in our image of it. You know how people ask, if God's so loving, how come he sent the flood? If God's loving, how come he allowed this? We try, people try and project their emotions and their sense and their image on God. And yet, is God made in our image? We're made in God's. I wonder sometimes if God is there in our lives wanting to be healer. And we're going, Lord, I, I, no, I just want you to sanctify me, Lord. He's going, I just want to be healer in your life. I wonder if sometimes he wants to be provider and we're just sitting there, Lord, I, I just want you to... Just want you to be my, my righteousness, God. I wonder sometimes if he's wanting to sanctify us and, and we sit there and he's just going, I, I just want to be judge right now. Or times when we want him to be judge and he's saying, no, I want to be redeemer. I want to be savior. Do we sit there and we limit God and, and put him in? Like God is all so many different natures. I, I love my boys. They're, they're a whole bunch of fun. And, and Josiah gets a, a, bit of a few different dads. He gets fun dad, and where we throw around and we wrestle and, and tackle. Then he gets, we were doing teacher dad yesterday. We were doing some maths and just having a ball doing some maths yesterday morning. And then the times he, he gets um, life lesson dad. And um, I'm sure at those times he's like, dad, I just want you to throw me and tackle me. I'm like, mate, right now we need to do some life lessons. We, we get these different aspects of who we are and See, different spirited people, they let God be God. Don't try and shape him to our image. We let him be who he wants to be in our life. And the second thing is different spirited people let God speak. Jesus is preaching in the middle of his preaching, in the middle of his sermon, the congregation starts mumbling and grumbling. And they start complaining about what he said. Oh, did he just say that? I can't believe he said that. How dare he said that? And then we get this wonderful, wonderful scripture. Stop whinging about what I'm saying. Stop complaining about what I said. See, there's a bunch of people who just wanted a show. They just wanted a free lunch. They were rocking up and wanted to hang out with Jesus. And I'm not coming to conference unless there's a good lunch on. I'm not going to camp unless I know there's going to be good food. I'm not going unless I know this person's going or that person's there. I'm not going to be there. You know, if you just get one thing this morning, I want you to get this. God doesn't always say what you want to hear. God doesn't always say what you want to hear. A bit deeper is I'm not always going to preach what you want me to preach. Your life group leader is not going to teach what you want them to teach all the time. See, we want people to side with us, to, to be on my side every so often. I get people into my office and go, I can't believe they did this to me. I can't believe this happened. How dare this happen? You, and I mean, it happens all the time. Little breakups of relationships happen. All of a sudden, it's like there's two sides and it's like we're about to have Royal Rumble going on as there's two sides of the story. And this one, you just got to, they were in the wrong 100%. Side with me. Be on my side. You're like, Hang on. I'm on everyone's side here. You're all friends. You're all family. There's two sides to this coin. There's two sides to what's going on. And Remy does it all the time, runs up to me and goes, Dad, Josh hit me. Yes, son, but what did you do to him? I did nothing. 
Ty comes in, Remy hit him first, and then he stole his toy, and then he... <laughs> There's always two sides to the story, and, and it's often the same with God. God, this is going on, this is it, this is what I want you to do. He's like, I'm just shaping you, son. I'm just shaping your daughter. I just want to grow with you. God, they stole from me. How dare they do that? I went into business with them. We invested together and they just, they treated me poorly and they let me out. And he's like, I just want to forgive them. Release them. Release yourself. Be forgiven. You know, it's vital to let God speak to us. Vital to let God speak to us. Vital to let others speak to us just what they would of the wisdom of God. Out of the hundreds of young people I've hung out with over the years, there's a few that are definitely in mind that as soon as I spoke the truth of God to them, they never spoke to me again. And it's sad because they just wouldn't be ones which would let God say what they want. And that actually comes to point three, is those those with a different spirit let God teach. They let God teach. In there, Jesus said, they will be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. I learned something through schooling. is um, Being taught requires student participation. Being taught requires student participation. There are a lot of classes I sat in. Sat in good teachers who taught wisdom and knowledge really well. And I didn't learn a thing. Because I didn't participate in it. English was not my strong subject. English was not my favorite subject. I used to sit there and argue with my teacher in grade 8. Why am I doing this subject? I can talk. I can speak English. I don't understand why I need to study the subject of English. And um, apparently she used to like me because I had an opinion. And and we got on not so well. But my mum did some help with other students in the school and she'd talk to her about me and, and say, oh, I really like having Scott in my class. It's nice having someone who will talk and have an opinion about things. And I'm, like, I'm like, really? She put me in detention almost every day. And, uh, but all through English, I, I sat there and didn't get much until one day we had to do a, a study of cinematography in it. And I got to study Braveheart. I loved the movie Braveheart. Braveheart came out when I was 14 and so it was... I think about 14. It was one of those things where I went to the cinema with my mate and sent mum to buy the tickets so I could get in to see it because I think Braveheart had an R rating when it came out. I think you had to be 18 to get into it. And um, they quickly learnt that she wasn't buying them for herself and buying them for son. So mum had to buy another ticket and come in and see the movie with me. Um, but I, it's a, one of those movies I really enjoy. I, I think it's probably what gives its best. Just so much goodness. William Wallace and um, the real, and they leave out some of the real best parts with him. William Wallace used to take communion with the army before every battle. He was a man who fully followed God. He was a man of passion and conviction uh, about the principles in the kingdom of God. Anyway, so I got to study this. I loved it. I, I remember. I think I watched the movie twenty times and learned all the scenes, everything that was going on. My first A plus in English that day because I became a student who let my teacher teach. You know, sometimes we're like that with God. God just wanting to teach us and we're just sitting back not paying attention. We're just not allowing him to be teacher because we're not participating in what he wants us. You know, some of the lessons, some lessons we don't like learning. We don't like learning patience. We don't like learning forgiveness. 
We don't like learning delayed gratification. We don't like learning humbleness, these lessons that he wants to teach us. Sometimes we don't like the method. Sometimes we don't like the method of the teaching. Saying before that, sometimes with Josiah, I've got to be life lesson dad. I'm trying to find in those times the method he enjoys the least so that he will learn the most in those times. Sometimes we don't like the method, but different spirited people are teachable. They sit there and they're not afraid to say, help me, show me how, show me again. I didn't quite get that that time, show me again. Help me out there. All this comes down to, if we're going to be people who fully follow, we need to let God be God. We need to let God speak what he wants to speak. We need to let God teach. What's the answer to all that? What's easier? It's allowing Jesus to be in the middle. You know, sometimes we get told that um, we, we should have God first, then our spouse, and our children, and our work, and have this order of everything. I really struggle putting everything in when that's the case. I really struggle trying to get the order right and the balance right and all these things. But my Bible says that God is in all things, through all things, and for all things. There is no hierarchy that goes like that. It's not put God in and then put the rest in after you're done with him. No, he's in the middle of it all. When you relate to your spouse or your partner or your friends or your family or your workplace, he's in the middle of that. He's first in the center of it. We get ourselves in trouble when we try to put him on a, in the morning for five minutes and then get up and leave him there all day. Or when we put him on a Sunday and leave him there. Or when we spend an hour with him and leave him there. He wants to be in the center of everything. And I just want to pray this morning. Maybe you're here and um, you're at that point where it's drifted away from letting God be God and, and God speaking and God teaching. Maybe it's that point where it's drifted away from Jesus being right at the center of your world, allowing him to infiltrate how you act with people, allowing him to be the one that, that can, sort of says how you are at work, how you are with family and friends, allowing him to be the influence in all your world. Would you stand with me this morning? Worship team, Carmen. Father, we're just here today again. and Lord, almost every day you seem to be asking us that question, who do you say I am? And Lord, we want to be like Peter and go, Lord, there's nowhere else we want to go. You alone have the words of life. You alone are God. And so this morning again, Lord, we're here and we're in different places and all different things, but for a number of us, we've drifted away from you being the center of our world. You know who you are. You know who you are, if that's you this morning. You know that you're just feeling his spirit, just tugging your heart. Just pulling your heart, just saying, I, I just want you to get me at that place again. To ask him, Lord, come be the center of my world. Lord, come be the place in the middle of it all. 
Lord, I'm sorry I've drifted from you. I'm sorry I've put other priorities above you and even tried to place it all around and fit it all in like a jigsaw. But Lord, I base my life around you and I want to do that better. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Now, we're just going to sing Jesus at the center. And if you're here this morning and you just want someone to pray with you, just about getting Jesus positioned back at that center, maybe you just need to make a declaration again today of just going, Lord, I, I just want my life to be based around you because I want to see you and follow. And I don't want to just follow a little bit, but I want to follow with everything that I have and everything I am. I just invite you just to come out on the altar and we just want to pray with you this morning.